revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living the solution. Today I have a special friend on, a colleague, somebody who I admire greatly, Dr. Alita Eck, who is the past president of AAPS, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. She's also an independent doctor and somebody who can speak with knowledge about the entire healthcare system. Because I think, Dr. Eck, you must be one of the first um, doctors nationwide, really, to open up a free clinic in New Jersey and practice a model of medicine that we all talk about, but we don't walk the walk. And to have someone who understands both sides of our healthcare system, what it's like not to be able to access it because of cost, somebody who runs a small business, somebody who works in the university and has been in the hospital setting, so you can speak to all sides of this issue. I am really concerned with the rhetoric about Medicare for all. I think of it as a, uh, you know, you create the problem, which is healthcare costs run amok with no control, and all of a sudden you have the solution, which every, not everybody, but the people who are proponents believe is Medicare for all. And I wanted to get your take on what is Medicare for all? How will it affect us? Is it really a pipe dream, or is it really something that can make healthcare better? From a doctor's perspective, not a pencil pusher, not a business, you know, a Wall Streeter, not a Congress person, but somebody who really practices medicine on the front line. So I wanted to thank you so much first for coming on and spending time with me. I know how busy you are, so I really thank you. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, Medicare for all. Uh, we have found out that the government really can't control costs for the current Medicare system. So now to add everybody onto it, and then Bernie Sanders says, oh, they can see any doctor with no copay, just go in, and it's just a ridiculous assertion uh, that, that I call it a pipe dream because it's like he's just dreaming <laughs> well, you know, that he this should could possibly know. work. Well, think about it. He's coming from Vermont. Vermont tried single payer, and they had to stop it because it was so expensive, and that's a tiny state. That was like the right. template for everybody, and it failed. So how on earth can you keep using the same mantra when you know? I mean, maybe you can get away with it if nothing had ever been implemented and you didn't know, but you do. And now you want to transport that to the entire country? It's Is it ignorance or is it willful? I mean, it's not it's about all about care. getting elected. Oh. It's about getting elected. They really don't necessarily care about the truth. They'll say whatever the people want to hear, and uh, they can make it sound plausible with um, you know great emphasis when they speak. Mm-hmm. And then when you really stop and you're in the middle of it, like you and I are, you realize that it's a pipe dream. It's impossible for them to uh, enact something like this. And like you said, they tried it in Vermont, and it was going to exceed their entire state budget. <laughs> so what do you think it'll do in the United States? I think the whole United States. It would bankrupt <laughs> the entire country, honestly. But you know, I think you hit on nail on the head. It's about power, and the people who are who have the power, and especially when it comes to healthcare, really don't know anything about what they're talking about. And it's almost like it's a, not only is it just power, but it's social engineering to top it off, as if doctors' labor is a right. 
I don't understand that and I don't agree with it. What's your take when people tell you, or I'm sure you've heard it, that healthcare is a right and everybody deserves it? And if you don't think so, well, you're evil. Well, Bernie Sanders actually asked me that question when I testified before um, before Congress. Um, Rand Paul was on one side, Bernie Sanders was on the other. Mm. And I told him about the free clinic that we have and how it is so efficient and how we can care for people at a cost of only $15 per patient visit when all the doctors are volunteering. I explained that to him. I said, if you extrapolate that, we could care for so many people. And he just said, well, I think that doctors should be paid. And then he totally changed the subject and says, do you think healthcare is a right? And you know that's his mantra. Yes, I knew. So I said, well, anytime somebody's right is another person's obligation, you're not talking about legitimate rights. You're talking about slavery. You're talking about forcing somebody to provide something whether or not they get paid, that was that's what a right would be. So uh, yeah, he's using that's another that's another line that the people hear and they say, oh yeah, it's a right. Well, you know, food is the food a right? Can you just walk into a grocery store and take food off the shelf because it's your right? Uh, can you just walk into somebody's house and say, this is my house because I have a right to shelter? Of course not. We we have a system of you work and you housing is expensive and all that, but Partly that is the tax system, and partly that's the way the government has has erected things. And um, we just, you know, need to unpack all of that and get back to what's real. Oh, I agree. I, I'm curious to know what he said. Oh, did he not answer that question when you you said it now? Well, actually, then um, Rand Paul came on and gave a wonderful, just he gave a rant um, on how you can't call it a right, and that's exactly what he said because mm-hmm. he would just knock on my door and say that because he's a physician mm-hmm. and say that um, they have a right to my services calling something a right does not make it so and uh, he did a great job of answering the question and that was it I wasn't able to say another thing you know these politicians <laughs> when they get up there well when they get exposed <laughs> they really want to talk yeah. about themselves it's true yeah. and when they get yeah. exposed they definitely went right over Bernie it. Sanders head he didn't even he didn't even hear what I said isn't that sad? And Why do they even have to. you come yeah. up if they don't want to listen to the expert who's on the front line? I find that really offensive that you spend your time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I've, I think D.C. truly is a swamp, and uh, it's getting more and more exposed where they're not necessarily out there to help the people, but to really help themselves. I don't think anybody can argue that at this point. It might have been questionable a couple of few years back. But every day it just seems to be something else unfolding about how the system is broken. And legislation, they could fix this with legislation, you know. It seems to me they set the table for this. If If it's in some business interest to make money based on how high something is, you're only going to get more of things being high, right? I mean, there's no benefit to cutting a cost because... They stopped getting fed. I, it's, I mean, if we tried this as physician, yeah. we'd be in jail. If um, now I gave the, the solution in my book, here's what we should do, where let every doctor just donate four hours a week. Donate. And don't expect to be paid. You're going to do charity, and it's going to be for free. That's mm-hmm. what charity should be. Mm-hmm. And then instead of pretending to pay us, as they do in the Medicaid system, which is all bureaucracy and very little, <laughs> very little payment to doctors, why don't you just protect us? It's liability protection in our private practices. If you if we donate four hours a week, 
the federal government already understands that charity is valuable, so they protect us for what we're doing in the free clinic. Mm-hmm. All right, the federal government gives us that liability protection. Now let the state just extend it to our private practices. Every doctor of every, or most doctors of uh, all specialties would do that, and medicine would become fun again. You know, you'd have all the different specialties commingling in the same facility where the patients are coming, they have no money, mm-hmm. no means, and everybody's volunteering. You just have a, it's a wonderful camaraderie, and you get it done. And at the end of the day, taxpayers are left out of that loop. It's an awesome suggestion, and I just think that there's so many special interests out there that don't want any real solutions because there's trial lawyers and there's uh, there's all kinds of entities that would see some of their income diminished, so they're going to fight it. And follow the money. Uh, that's been my mantra, and I haven't seen it not bear out every time I ask that yeah. question of myself. And unfortunately, the people who are running the show and get the ear of the people running the show are at the table. None of us, even when we come to the table, like you just described, it's not as effective as it should be. You're giving him the answer right, right there, point blank. This is what you need to do. This yep. can be a template. doesn't even cost the government money. You did this out of your own no. pocket. That's the sad part. They don't have to say, oh, it's going to cost prohibitive. They don't even have to say that because it's not true. Just let the system That's work. Right. Get out of the way and let those of us of good faith, and there are thousands of us, we would just take over. And there would be no people. We would love being part of the solution. Exactly. I mean, every physician wants to care for patients and doesn't want to be dealing with this huge bureaucracy and no. the VMRs and all this, this other nonsense. And we just want to care for patients, and we could do that with uh, – a system like that. I actually talked to our state senator, and I gave my 60-second 60 60 explanation of what this law is that we're trying to uh, get heard before the Senate Health Committee here in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Well, who could possibly be opposed to it? I said, well, I don't know. Nobody's being real overt, but probably the trial lawyers and maybe the Medicaid HMO executives. And then he stopped. He goes, oh, yeah, I could never publicly support that. That is unbelievable. On that, I don't want anybody to think about that. Let's take our first break. Everybody needs to think about that for a second. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. 
One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're having a really enlightening conversation with Dr. Alita Eck. She is the past president of the American Association of Physicians and Sur- Surgeons. She is the founder of Zarapeth uh, Clinic is in New Jersey. It's a free clinic for, for people to come and get health care, comprehensive health care. And she's a policy advocate and author. And before the break, you just described how sick this system really is, that you're electing people to go up there to represent you, and then they have the mitigated gall to tell them to tell you that they can't advocate for you. And really, it's all because of the, it's the next election and getting back in. I think you're absolutely right. And the article you wrote for AAPS is the one "Why Medicare for All is a Pipe Dream." Is really people need to go to aapsonline.org and, and, and read that, and also think about what you said because. We're beginning, the system's working against us. There's no question about that. And in the article, I'd love for you to go over that, that description that, because people will blow their minds about the comprehensive exam and being billed by sure. Medicare. Please give us that story because I think it's very instructive. Sure. A patient went to an optometrist. This isn't even a physician. It's an optometrist. They, they provide glasses and uh, just wanted to get new glasses. Medicare doesn't pay for glasses. So, you know, that patient had no insurance and therefore said, I have no insurance, just I want glasses. So they do first they do an eye exam. Well, the eye exam wound up being pretty comprehensive and they had different machines and they looked at the back of the eye and um, it took pictures, the retina, everything, which was more than just telling whether or not you could see with the different lenses that mm-hmm. they usually use for uh, choosing glasses. Anyway, patient then paid for her glasses and frames, paid for them, and then heard nothing. And about six months later gets this explanation of benefits that you get for patients on Medicare. And her mind was blown when she saw that this optometrist had billed Medicare $817. Medicare then approved 552. They pay 80%. So they actually paid this optometrist $432 for something that the patient didn't even think that she needed. And it's pretty incredible because if that optometrist would say, well, we'd like to do all these tests on you and here's what it's going to cost. Do you want them? I'm sure the patient would have said, nope, I really am just here for glasses. There's nothing matter with my eyes. So that's what happened. Now, is this fraud? No, it's not really fraud. The patient really did get all those tests done. Was it abuse of the system? I would say yes. It was uh, billing for things that really were probably not necessary. Can Medicare do anything about it? I think that they've tried to contain costs, and I have no idea how to do that. But here you have uh, a very enterprising 
optometrist figuring out how to make $432 on the patient who just needs glasses, plus the patient's paying for their own glasses. Um, that's just my one example. And I thought, this is why Medicare for All cannot work. There'll be, there's money that's being thrown out the bus window, and anybody who's crazy for not just grabbing it and picking it all up. <laughs> and um, that's, that, that's the analogy I like to use, but even the government's throwing money around, very enterprising people to figure out how to get it. That's sad. But when somebody isn't enterprising and they want to help their patient and it's not approved or they have to jump through hoops or it's not approved, it goes on both sides. Either you have the people who can game it, doctors, and you right. have the other doctors right. who just want to take care of their patient, do the bare, what you're trained to do, and you get thwarted, and you can't do it. You can't not charge them. There's all sorts of things. If you underbill them, that's illegal. If you don't bill them and they pay out of pocket, that's illegal. And there's all sorts of things that go on that make it impossible just to practice medicine. And I don't think patients really understand it's it's a criminal offense in some of these instances. It's not like you're just, oh, I just don't want to do it. It's because you're going to get fined or you're going to be put in jail. These are not small things when the government comes after you. Because I think they shut you down basically while they're investigating and then you'll never open again. Right, right. Uh, you know, the, the government can be very frightening. Indeed. It's interesting. I thought that with Medicare, if um, they pay 80%, you must bill the patient that extra 20%. But in this case, um, it, the explanation of benefits, where I got a copy of it, said that you may be billed. And so it was $110 extra that the patient would have had to pay, mm-hmm. and she never got the bill. I think she would have just been, hey, wait a minute, I, I bought my glasses. What is this? Yeah, I think and so they were smart enough to. not even to bill her. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. And then I think because the patient doesn't get the bill, they don't fight it because they really should have balanced that's right. for that. Yeah, that's what happens. But, I mean, I don't even – I'm not a member or I don't participate in Medicare anymore for many reasons. That's one of them because it's so complicated. You don't know when you're running afoul of it. And as a, as a specialist, right. they no longer pay consultation fee. So it's you actually you might as well just get out of it, make a deal with the patient, and charge them a flat fee, so you don't have to worry about running afoul and never getting paid or getting denied. It's it's not right, and it's the template for everything else. Now, from what I've heard from Mr. S- uh, in the Senator Sanders is that if Medicare for All comes online, there will be no more private insurance companies. They're just going to get rid of them. Is that how you read that? That's that's true. He he said that. Yes, um, they get rid of all private insurance, which he considers the enemy. <laughs> and um, we would become like the three countries that one. We would become the next country that does not allow people to buy their healthcare on their own. One is Canada. The other is Cuba. I think North Korea. You can't buy your own healthcare. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> not that you have any money to do exactly. it. Exactly. And then the United States. They, they, I just can't believe that that would ever, ever uh, be accepted in this country because there's just enough freedom-loving people who would really balk when that happened. I don't think that. But the that freedom, is the law they're trying to uh, pass. I don't think that they're being honest about it. It's all about the good stuff, the, the carrot, the freebie, seeing whoever you want, getting whatever you want sure. done, and and you never have to pay a dime. So that's exactly how they they proceeded to push the Affordable Care Act. It was, you know, it's a right. You can keep your kid on to their 25. But that had a big effect on the rest of the healthcare system, for example, because all those young, healthy people dropping out of the, the pool of insurance 
coverage made that meant that you had sicker older people in it and then the price went up for everybody it's like whack-a-mole so whatever they're promising right someone's going to pay down the down the down the line but in this case it sounds like it's everybody who pays taxes we'll just be have a mountain of debt and unfortunately there's just so many people who feel uh that they need the government because they feel disempowered they can't care for themselves so they uh just go on on to this and say yes this is what we want uh they're just not thinking and unfortunately the government's not thinking either i I think that the government schools that are teaching our kids are not giving them a clear view of history and what this country was really founded on i agree and i think that we need to actually start speaking about it instead of being cowed there's a real i don't know impetus power whatever you want to put it to have people shut up and not speak truth and they're being shouted down and terrorized really verbally even physically for having an opinion and that's where i think we're going wrong and physicians need to stand up because it's our livelihoods it's our ability to take care of our patients it's not funny this is life that we're talking about and i don't think it's reversible if we lose the power of being a physician yeah. and Hippocratic Oath, practice of medicine, it's not coming back. And I know that you taught... It will be hard, yep. I mean, you teach medical students, right? What are their mindsets? Yes, we teach them in our clinic. I, well, I'm we've scared. been accused of brainwashing them from the medical school. Oh, my God, yeah, I can uh, <laughs> But because we're willing to have them come on, and they see so many patients in the clinic very quickly, mm-hmm. um, they, they love it. So they can't, they can't stop sending patients. And... Uh, I mean, as students, to, to uh, be brainwashed by us. But we just teach them. We teach them what free market medicine is. We teach them about direct primary care. That's great. Or even you could have direct uh, direct um, specialty care you could do if you have somebody that has um, a chronic illness such as diabetes. He could work in, with direct an endocrinologist and pay maybe $100 a month, and then that doctor would be available by phone, by email, by anyway. Just leave the third party out of it. And we could get so much more efficient and we I, could uh, get the job done. I totally agree with that. Let's take our for our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month 
and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Alita Eck. And before the break, we were talking about the future of medicine, which is our medical students. I know that there's, it seems to me, a, a big push in medical schools to, I would say, dumb down the physicians. It's about being part of a group. It's about being part of a team, being a provider, not having any real power to take care of your patient because the good of the many out in the ways and needs of the few. So if someone's senior and they're coming in, they have multiple medical problems. If they lived a good life, we need to make you comfortable, but not really fix anything because it's all about cost. I never trained like that. I know you didn't either. So how mm. hard is it to turn that ship when they're coming into your system? Are they coming in opinionated? Or are they coming in willing to learn? I'm curious about that. Sure, the, high, the, oh, the students are willing to learn, and they're hearing a different story from uh, the hospitals who are teaching them about cost containment mm-hmm. and uh, put their real expensive elderly people on hospice rather than, you know, really make them better so they could live another couple of years. Um, they're, they're, the hospitals, there's a pressure. Uh, they want to just continue to bring that revenue in and keep their expenses down so that they can make a lot. And there's so many executives in the hospitals are making seven digits. There's, those guys are in charge, and um, they're not the doctors. They're not the physicians that uh, we trained under. And so hopefully we can be the right kind of physicians for these students. Uh, and that's what we try to do one at a time. We just give them a, um, we just give them an earful about what is happening, what it used to be like, and uh, then they watch us as we're taking care of people that come in that, that are just so downtrodden. Um, I have a Facebook page, Zarephath Health Center, and I tell about two psychiatric patients that came in. One, she had been raped when she was five. She had a baby when she was 14. She'd just been in and out of institutions until she met a psychiatrist who cared for her for about five years. Then he died. After that, she could not find a single psychiatrist who would take Medicaid. So she went... She would take medicine, she'd be hospitalized because uh, she would stop it when she was outside, and then it just a cycle round and round. Mm-hmm. So I sat there and listened to her with a medical student with me, and we just heard her story. And I said, you know, you can come here, come here once a month. We will take care of, we'll take care of your medicines. You don't have to worry. And um, her daughter, she had, I think, five kids by then. Her daughter had brought her to, to church and heard um, an Easter message she loved it so she came back and we will now have a relationship with her and there'll be other people who will come alongside of her and there'll be real healing now the students see that and it's compelling that's why they think they went into medicine and we want to make them sure that it's still possible don't don't give up we're not going to uh, allow this allow the current system where all they want you to do is type and all they want you to do is click so that this hospital can make more and more money. Mm-hmm. Just we don't have to do that. In our free clinic, we don't even have computers. 
Okay. We have paper charts, and we just uh, <laughs> are as efficient as could possibly be. Oh, I'm sure, because when you and finish the, the note, I know, right? When you finish the note you're and done. walk out, you're done. Instead of having to go back to That's your right. office. And it's not real copious. <laughs> yeah, I know. It doesn't have to put all that little nonsense in so we get paid more. No, nothing. Wow. <laughs> and the satisfaction of just not having any layer between you and your patient, that's so gratifying. It's so... And having patients. They know that we're volunteering, so they are unbelievably um, grateful, and they, they just love us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's kind of nice as a doctor to be really, really appreciated. I know, and not the um, enemy. So we do that. My husband and I each do that six hours a week, and then we have our private practice. We're in no networks. We're in no insurance networks, and the patients just pay us um, for a reasonable price for the service, and that practice is busy. That's how we earn our living. Well, let me ask you, you know, this. So it's a kind of a dichotomy. It's actually a symptom of the system and a good symptom. If you were just to reproduce what you guys do across the country, that would make a huge dent in the underserved. And it doesn't have to be the government. This is, I think, for me, the choice that people need to make is, do you want to be in control of your own health care, your pocketbook, or do you want the government to do it? And that's really the choice because, to me, I want to know, what, how much money I'm spending, what I'm spending it for. I want transparency and not somebody taking care of me because I may be a little fish in a bigger pond and they'll just ignore me and do something, you know. Somebody else is more important to me, but I'm not the focal point. You care more about yourself than the government cares about you. I think people need to come to that realization. And if they did, I think they would change their tune on a lot of these things that we keep hearing. Yeah, the government can't provide anything. No. The government could give you a worthless card and <laughs> say, here, now you have health care. <laughs> but if nobody takes the card, what, what is it worth? Or and how much did that card cost when you analyze what government spends on health care? Um, you know, Medicare is one thing. That's the Social Security system for the elderly. And then there's Medicaid, which is mm-hmm. where people pay absolutely nothing. And you combine those two and try to put everybody in the same bucket, you're going to wind up with chaos, and um, you're going to wind up with a healthcare system that truly doesn't work. Well, and also you're going to end up being forced to do it, right? Right now, at least with the mandate being gone, if it doesn't work for you, you can opt out and do other things. But if they make it the only game in town, and if they get the Senator Sanders gets his way, there will be no no choice. It's just this or nothing. They'll take your license away. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't go by the system, yep. Yeah. Oh, I totally, that's the next thing they want to do. I think they corral the patients. You know, I see this as a bigger picture. First, you get the doctors out of private practice and as employees into hospitals. And we've already lost, what, two-thirds of doctors into the hospital system. So they're not in control of their own destiny. Then you give the patients one way to buy health care, you know, single payer. The next thing you're going to do is tell a doctor, you're not going to be able to practice medicine unless you take the single payer insurance. Then they have everybody in their system. It's coercion, but it's like a little well, bit of carrot. Underground. Go yeah. underground, <laughs> get paid by chickens like they used to. <laughs> it's not going to exactly. It's not going to work. <laughs> and I know we have to take a break, but I, I would love to, to ask you to tell the story from that Sermo case. I read that same case about the mid-level provider in the ER uh, missing a diagnosis. So people will say, you know, and I'm sure the, the mantra has been from the powers that be. They're all providers. Doctors are the same as nurses are the same as physician assistants. It's all one thing. And we've really, I think, given our power away in that system. It's like Where did that come from? 
<laughs> I know, right? It's like race or whatever, right? Nobody is equal. We're different. That's what makes it yeah. beautiful. It, you're not putting a value on anybody. And the same thing goes in the healthcare profession. Doctors and, and nurses are both integral, but we do different things. And therefore, we one have has fifteen thousand years, fifteen thousand <laughs> hours of clinical training. The other has six hundred. That and too. You're going to say they're the same or better. Oh no, better. <laughs> now it's not even the same. It's better. But on that note, let's take yeah. our last break because I really want people another example that will really blow your blow your mind when you hear it. Um, so let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Dr. Lita Eck and you know what, love having you on the show because you give real examples of what's going on and I think you know, sometimes when we're in it, we're not really able to explain exactly what it's like on the front line. But I think you've given one example from Medicare standpoint, how the, the system works against people or how doctors, unscrupulous people can game it and make money when if they just if they had price transparency, wouldn't be able to get away with that. Now, let's talk about the actual care side, because it really comes down to patient care. I'm seeing an absolute drop in the uh, inpatient care, in the delivery, in people showing up in my office with strange diagnoses, strange treatments like I've never heard of, and they've spent good money in a system that doesn't work. And you, on your, in your article, you speak about a, a nurse practitioner and an unfortunate outcome that happened because they were on the front line. And honestly, to be honest, to, ner- to fair to nurses, I don't think it's fair to them either to be put in positions where they may not be, they may not have the experience or the knowledge base to do it, like an ICU or an ER with you have no coverage and it's just you. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm looking that, one with the sodium, is that the one? No, so one with There's Sermo. One, the Sermo, the doctor who got what? sued at the Sermo example where the doctor got sued because the nurse practitioner missed a diagnosis, but because the doctor is the, takes a, the uh, responsibility for care for everybody in the team, the doctor got uh, sued. That's the pulmonary embolism. The doctor, yeah, I think it was all over the phone. The doctor never even met the patient. Exactly. And this is a pulmonary and embolism. And the nurse made a decision to not hospitalize the person. The patient died, and the uh, physician then got sued and um, it's going to court and here's this physician who was just listening to a nurse explain something and then I, we have no idea what the conversation was mm-hmm. but the nurse decided not to admit that patient and it wound up being a disaster 
um, boy, doctors need to be really careful who they um, who they work with and then what kind of responsibility they give that person because it can come back to bite them. Oh, there's no question on that one. I mean, if you think about how it's, the structure is set up, it seems to me that there's been a changing of the workforce guard and doctors are no longer on the front line in a lot of places that they used to be. Here in Atlanta, you can walk into an ER and you're not seen by a physician, right? Then that's an ER. To me, that's very strange. And they don't treat people anymore, really. I'm seeing people referred from the ER for things that normally you do a consult on in the hospital and get admitted for. So somebody came in with a lacerated ear, meaning that it had a, a motorcycle accident and the ear was partially cut. Well, not off, but, you know, this should have been an, an ER consult for an ENT to come in, treat the patient, and suture the patient. I'm seeing the patient in my office like three days later with the injury still untreated. And it's like, what? You know, I've it's, too never... late to, it's too late to uh, sew it up. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like that. So this is the standard that I'm seeing. And I don't think it's fair. And the, the hospitals are able to charge for the ER visit, but I'm not sure the care is being given. And they're just being outsourced. And there's nobody saying anything. Right. How do you have an ER, for example, that doesn't have complete coverage? So you don't have a GYN. That's interesting. In New Jersey, we um, still do not allow um, the nurse practitioners to practice independently. So there are doctors there. Oh, okay. Um, and that's a good law. <laughs> I agree. I don't know when that's going to fall. But, but um, yeah, we I had a patient with mastoiditis that got admitted and Immediately, I want to get an ENT consult, and there's no ENTs that go to that hospital. Mm -hmm. So the students are saying to me, well, I guess they have to transfer her out. I said, really? I mean, she really needed antibiotics and um, ended up with the tympanic membrane burst itself, so she drained, and so right, it was, worked out. Yeah. I, I don't know. It worked out, but wow. Yeah, specialists don't even go to the hospital anymore. I'm not sure what the hospitals are up to, but I know they're big revenue sources, streams, and uh, that's all that they seem to care about. I agree. I mean, I can see where this is, where it started from, because you were taking call in the ER when you, you know, when I took call in the ER and every physician, you're not paid you learned for everything. Yet. Well, you don't pay, get paid for anything, but you have the liability. And if you're not, yes. it, the only way you want to work it is if you're a contract laborer and you're getting paid from another source. But if you're private, you can forget that. Those consults are like $20, if, if at all. You can't afford the time or the liability, and that was the beginning of losing coverage from a uh, specialist. Yes. And then it just went from there. So from a stand, they, they regulate everything in its mother. They can't regulate that you can't have an ER unless you have full staff coverage. No one cares about that. So there's no – some of these rural hospitals, I feel for them too because – there's no EGYN or neurosurgeon or general surgeon, and you have these poor people on the front line with no backup. I don't know how That's they do it either. Yes. It is really frightening, and the patient doesn't even know. I've spoken to patients who've had to take ambulance rides hours away to a different hospital, and they have life-threatening, potentially life-threatening problems. And because they don't have coverage, then you shouldn't have an ER. That's just a money-making venture, but it's not about patient care. And if they would just have a level playing field, maybe this wouldn't be so bad, you know, but it's not. That's the sad part. Right. And it's so expensive. It's just incredible. 
Um, talk about, I mean, in single payer, they wind up with long waiting lists, but we wind up with something different. It's, it's more, it's not necessarily waiting lists. It's just maybe care that's absent, um, that we you just, you just can't get, or you have to uh, really navigate the system. That's why you need a good primary care doctor who can call the shots and say, look, this is important. You need to go over here to get it done. And, uh, you know, don't take no for an answer. But uh, the doctors have to get strong and really be the advocates of the patients. I agree. And there's another thing that's interesting. I've heard colleagues tell me that if they admit a patient into a hospital of the primary care and it gets a, their patient gets admitted, they're not allowed to take care of their patient in the hospital. They have to give up patient care to a hospital-based doctor, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Since so long. What is there, what is that? How does that even happen? I just would I don't know. I, um, well, you know, it's 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 not a moneymaker to go to the hospital to see your patients. No. I just discharged two people today, and um, but I go every day while they're there. I see them. They are so grateful. They're so happy to see a familiar face, mm-hmm. and I know them. And I know if they're confused, that's either a new thing or that's something that's been going on for twenty years. I know that, and I can um, make sure that they get the best care. If a total stranger is in charge of their care, it's dangerous. And I've seen it happen where they'll go to a hospital that I don't go to. And um, I've seen that, that where a patient that had a change in mental status, this lady had been confused for probably 30 years. They called a the neurology consult. They called a the psychiatry consult. <laughs> Why didn't they call me? <laughs> I said, this is her baseline. But um, it's just amazing, the uh, inefficiency of the system. And yet, because they can bill the government, these hospitals do that, and they just they milk it for yeah. everything. And I mean, I the, I had a conversation with a guest last week about the facility fees, those fake charges that they just tack on to equipment that they already own. Or I mean, if it's an office, a, um, a hospital-based office. There, you know, again, they they purchased the practice so that equipment is already owned. They charge them facility fees for that for going to that practice. There's right. a lot of hidden charges that are ginning up the price, and there's nobody knows about them. They just see these random miscellaneous charges. I always tell people if they do get admitted, they need to get a list of their of the charges, look through all of them, and make sure they can document and cite and prove that you had the thing done so that you don't get double and triple charged. It's It takes a lot out of the patient, honestly. I don't know how yeah, they I do it. I think they're getting pretty good at explaining this to the legislators. Um, it's just it's like whack-a-mole. They, they, yeah, if one thing gets fixed, then another one pops up. <laughs> it's all because the government is just, all this money is just flowing out of the government, and um, enterprising people figure out how to get it. And patient care is secondary or tertiary or it doesn't matter. But we love our patients. We love our patients. That's why we take care of them. I know, but it's at a cost, uh, isn't it? Because there's the morale is gone. People are committing suicide. People are burnt out and leaving the profession. So that sacrifice, and it is emotionally one, and physically and economically, frankly, we're putting our bodies on the line and we're not getting any help except for the people who say, I'm not doing this, and do direct primary care and make contracts directly with these small businesses. The and patients, yeah. Work. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be the salvation of the system, of, of good medical care would be when the, they just throw off the third parties and say, look, 
we're just not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are doctors. If you want to see us, you just come to us. We'll charge a fair fee, but because we don't have to say Mother May out all these big insurance mm-hmm. companies, our fair fee is really fair. And um, you'll find that um, we can provide very cost-effective fair, uh, care at a low fee. And quality. You know, it's all about yeah. time. That's what people lose in this system. God forbid Medicare for All comes in. It's going to be a, a conveyor belt. Maybe you might get 10 minutes with a doctor once a week. Maybe some strange thing will happen. It will be worse than it is now. But if we could just spend time, time is important. And that's what's been removed. One of the main things, in my opinion, that's been taken from healthcare is the ability to have time to talk to your patient. We need that back in the system, and they need to value that. Whether you're a psychiatrist, a primary care, even a specialist, it all comes down to listening to the patient. And maybe you wouldn't order so many tests. Maybe there'd be less. I know actually I don't think there's much legal you know, lawsuits going on. I think that's also a wives' tale to a degree. And most doctors win their lawsuits, frankly. But again, it's the lawyers who stands to gain, right? Right, <laughs> so, right. I mean, well, we have to withdraw our consent. We're the, they can't run without us. The system will not work without doctors, and it won't work without patients. We need to get rid of the middlemen and just deal with each other like you're doing. That's right. And when you do that, you find that your patients are your friends. Mm-hmm. You do spend some extra time. You ask about how their, their grandkids are doing. They they, walk, they bring out the pictures, and um, it's fun. And you can have a really pleasant day. It's not something where you're just churning and you're having to go faster and faster because the man up, the man is uh, pushing you uh, to fill in your EMR. It's wonderful to practice medicine the Marcus Welby way. I know, right? <laughs> that was one of my favorite shows growing up. They don't even have me too. And and ER is my favorite. I mean, but we're in a position now that we're the front line, honestly, because we know what it was. We we know what the system used to be. I'm so I'm very appreciative, and I really respect the fact that you are able to teach these people, these children or students, sorry, are lucky Mm -hmm. to have you because they'll at least have the the knowledge of there is something before. And let me go and. It sounds like it was a much better world, and that one of them, if only one turned the corner and joined our ranks, that's that's winning. That's right. That's right. They are being brainwashed by those schools. I know. I mean, I think I've spoken at one of the schools, and everybody was into social justice, and that doctors shouldn't be paid, and it was it was just like some upside down thinking and I was talking about to them about opening up your own practice and being your own person and running a business and they were aghast that you could make money <laughs> you can help people and make money it was interesting they have so much debt when they come out they, I know they, they just immediately need, they feel like they need a job and it has to be and then they're asking you know how much vacation do I get and what's the pay and all that and well, we didn't start like that <laughs> not at all but see that you no. know money takes care of itself you don't have to make a billion dollars on every patient but if you're doing right. good work and you're getting rid of all the excess, you know, pay for the EHR, the electronic medical record system, all the people to call the insurance companies to try to get a penny from them, that's a lot of extra money flowing out of the practice, which you get rid of when you just streamline it. And it's so much more satisfying. Everybody I've ever talked to who does direct primary care say they're working less and they make just as much or more money. And, the, and they're not charging. And they love what they do. Exactly. They and they're it. charging the patient less overall. That's a win. Yeah. If anybody in Congress is listening to this show, please contact Dr. Eck. Contact me. 
learn what you need to do and bring forth legislation to fix this. And it's not even that hard, right? If you would just take away the carrot, that it, it shouldn't cost you, it shouldn't make more money the more expensive something is. If you just change that one thing and allow competition, I think the system would right. find it would able to actually work. And allow for real charity. Don't, don't exactly. try to have a government-run charity because that's it's like an oxymoron. It, it can't do that. No. Um, it's not charity. It's just it's a fake um, fake card that doesn't really provide care. You're absolutely right. And and tell us how we can. We only have a few minutes left. I want you to tell us how people can go to your website because you do have a, a blog, right? The Zarapath website has a blog. Yep. Um, well, we're on on Facebook, the Zarephath Health Center, Z-A-R-E-P-H-A-T-H Health Center. Um, we have a website, zhcenter.org. And if you want to learn about this law we're trying to pass in New Jersey, njaaps.org, uh, the Volunteer Medical Professional Health Care Act, which we are um, – if we can pass it in New Jersey, I, can, I think I'll pass it in any state because we're a very blue state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're working at it. We're, just, we're not giving up. Well, thank God you're out there and, on the um, front line. I mean, people in New Jersey are blessed to have you, frankly. Oh, thank you. Yes, oh, well, it's my pleasure. My husband and I are both uh, been working at this, and we're a team. That's what it's about, and we're all in it together instead of us fighting yep. for some for single payer, some we should all be for the patient, and that means That's that right. the patient has to have the power, and we as physicians have to be left alone. <laughs> to to care for patients and be advocates. Um, you also said Amen. you wrote a book. How can people get your book? No, I, I didn't write a book. Oh, I thought I, you did. Yes, I've been thinking about writing a oh. book. No. Well, and when you nope. do, you have to come back on so you can talk <laughs> about it. Uh, I'm put this after we pass this law. I tell you, I'll write a book. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Alita Eck, A L I E T A E C K. You can follow me on Twitter, and uh, I'm constantly finding these great articles to to pass on. But um, knowledge is power. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. It went really fast, but when you're having fun, (laughs) time does fly, right? That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for having me. It's my uh, pleasure. I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Me too, and God bless. And thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Hi, this is Dr. George. I want to thank all my listeners for listening to my show. I'd like you to share it with your friends and become subscribers, and if you miss the show, you can catch it and download it from Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and several other multimedia platforms. You can also find my uh, blog on Medicine on Call on Facebook and my website, DrElenaGeorge.com. Again, thank you for being loyal listeners. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.